0: Thanks for tuning in to WDFH Online. WDFH is community public radio, non-commercial, non-profit, and volunteer-powered. What makes a station like WDFH possible is community support, including tax-deductible donations from listeners like you and from businesses that want on-air exposure. Find out how you can keep WDFH local and independent by visiting WDFH.org. We currently require that students learn the history of a man, an African American man, who fought valiantly for everyone's civil rights and who was assassinated for his efforts, and that was Dr. Martin Luther King. But there was also a gay American man who also fought valiantly for everyone's civil rights and was also assassinated for his efforts, and his name was Harvey Milk.
1: Welcome to Sprouts, radio from the grassroots weekly program that showcases radio production by independent community media. We bring local stories to a national audience, produced at a different location every week. Hi, I'm Maddie, and I work on a show called Outcasting, which deals with lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans youth issues. Outcasting is a production of WDFH-FM 90.3, Westchester Public Radio in New York's Lower Hudson River Valley. Today on Sprouts... Travis will talk with Dan Savage about bullying and the rash of teen suicides among young LGBT people. Dan is a nationally syndicated columnist, author, activist, co-founder of the It Gets Better Project, and host of Savage U on MTV. Later in the show, we'll talk about a new law in California, the Fair, Accurate, Inclusive, and Respectful, or Fair, Education Act. Among other things, the law is intended to combat bullying of students who are gay or perceived to be. Giuliano will discuss the law with openly gay California State Senator Mark Leno, who introduced it.
2: There was a rash of highly public suicides around the autumn of 2010 by young people who were or were perceived to be LGBT. Billy Lucas, Cody Barker, Asher Brown, and Tyler Clemente were among them. That fall, our guest, Dan Savage, and his partner, Terry Miller, established the It Gets Better Project, which is a HOPE campaign for LGBT youth. In addition to co-founding the It Gets Better Project, Dan Savage is also a nationally syndicated columnist and the author of four books. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Alrighty, Dan, tell us briefly about the beginning of the It Gets Better Project.
3: My husband and I started the It Gets Better Project in response to the suicide of Billy Lucas. Um, and the project was actually up and going before Asher Brown, uh, Seth Walsh, Cody Barker, Tyler Clemente's suicides people came to the project because it had empowered them to do something. But we we were moved to act by a single suicide uh, because we felt that, you know, even one was too many. And then certainly by the end of that month, our, you know, our hearts were broken uh, by that spate of suicides.
2: Why do you think it takes these terrible, heartbreaking events for a shift to happen in media and culture and for things like this to be recognized?
3: Well, I really feel that you know, the culture is only just beginning to accept that there's such a thing as uh, LGBT children. Uh, you know, for the longest time, uh, society, you know, religious organizations, politicians, parents have held on to this belief that being gay, lesbian, bi or trans was a choice somebody made as an adult, and that children, uh, while they could be straight, everyone thinks it's cute when a little boy has a, a crush on a little girl. Uh, that children somehow don't have sexualities or don't have, you know, alternative sexualities. Um, And it really took those suicides, I think, to wake the country up to the existence of gay children, to what was being done to them, to uh, the burden being placed on them. You know, as LGBT issues become much more hotly debated, uh, adult queer people, uh, you know, we can really, it's hard to abuse us, you know, bashers can find us every once in a while. Uh, but for the most part, we're kind of safe. Uh, you know, a mom and dad lived growing up, you know, bringing up their kids in some mega church in the middle of nowhere. Um, they can only, you know, in a Greensburg, Indiana, they can only abuse, you know, gay, and lesbian, bi, and trans people at the ballot box. And as abstractions. There are no gay, lesbian, bi, trans adults in a place like Greensburg, Indiana, not if they can help it. But their children go to school with queer children. There will be queer children in a Greensburg, Indiana, um, and if you, you exist in a culture where the other children that you're going to school with, if you're queer, are hearing every day that LGBT people are a threat to their families and that LGBT people are trying to you know, destroy the country and destroy the family and even, in, you know, as some Republican senators have maintained, destroy the world, uh, you're going to pay a price for that. You know, the, the, the sort of bullying and violence that goes on at the ballot box, at the remove of the ballot box, that bullying and violence is being visited on LGBT kids uh, in schools uh, and without, and not as an abstraction and not with any distance. Um, and, and I think those suicides really woke the country up to that fact, that children are paying the price, more than adults, more than LGBT adults. LGBT children are pay, paying the price for a 20-year anti-queer hate campaign waged by the religious right.
2: A recent press article about our program, Outcasting, drew a comment from a reader who wrote that there is no gay suicide epidemic, and he said that it's a media-driven illusion, and he was pointing out that people don't fill out surveys before killing themselves, so there's only speculation about reasons. What do you think about this?
0: Well,
3: Seth Walsh, in his suicide note, Seth Walsh was out and gay. He specifically cited the bullying that he had endured as an out-gay student for the reason behind his suicide. Um, same with Asher Brown. Uh, some of the victims that people talk about, like Billy Lucas, you know, he was not gay-identified, may not have been gay, but not all victims of anti-gay bullying are LGBT. And we know from studies, one conducted by the University of Illinois, that 50% of all the, of the bullying that goes on in middle schools and high schools is anti-LGBT bullying. And this is not just bad for LGBT kids, it's bad for all kids. The suicide rate among heterosexual kids is higher in schools where anti-LGBT bullying is allowed to run unchecked. And the sexual assaults of girls and heterosexual girls in schools where anti-LGBT bullying is allowed to run rampant is higher than in schools that address anti-LGBT bullying and combat it. Uh, so uh, that person is burying their head in the sand. you know there are some stats out there that show there hasn't been a spike in suicides. There's been a spike in awareness about suicides among LGBT kids and a spike in awareness of the bullying that they face in these schools and that regard you know one suicide is too many that we you know you could argue that oh the suicide rate is constant. that's not a good thing because it's even if it's one kid who's being, triggered and tipped over uh, because of the anti-LGBT bullying he or she is enduring, that's one kid too many.
2: Mm-hmm. We're talking with activists, nationally syndicated columnists, and author Dan Savage here on Outcasting, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of WDFH-FM 90.3, Austin, New York, public radio for New York's lower Hudson River Valley. Uh, Dan... What else can people do to be supported and supportive in spreading tolerance?
3: Well, as I've said from the start, you know, there's nothing about the project that excuses or really precludes doing more, and we need to do more. We need to pass safe schools legislation. We need to confront the bullies. We need to hold schools accountable. We need to make sure that there are gay-straight alliances in every school, because literally lives are at stake. And also, you know, circling back to Jamie, Jamie Rodemar, Malicious harassment isn't a crime only after someone commits suicide. It's a crime before someone commits suicide. So if we want to get serious about preventing suicides, we need to investigate, we need to demand that the police investigate and prosecute. Malicious harassment, not just unkind words, even though they can do real damage, but malicious harassment, which is criminal, before someone harms himself. And parents need to understand that going to the principal, going to the school administrators is not enough. You know, a kid, a 16-year-old kid who throws an old lady down a flight of stairs in a shopping mall gets arrested and is prosecuted for assault. We know of cases where 16-year-old kids have thrown 13-year-old kids down flights of stairs in schools, and they're not even suspended because the kid is gay. Parents have gone to principals and complained about this. The first stop on the way to the principal's office is the police department, and you file a, a criminal complaint, and you treat an assault like an assault. You don't treat an assault like kid play or horse play or bullying or, you know, boys just being boys.
2: Alrighty. Um, Do you feel like we're approaching a time where gender identity and sexual orientation are not issues?
3: I I don't think they'll ever not be issues. Um, We're a tiny percentage of the population. We're, you know, gay people aren't born to gay families and trans people aren't born to trans families, so... I think we're always going to be something of a shock to the system uh, because we appear randomly throughout the population. Um it would be wonderful uh, in some ways if we if we didn't if we you know formed strong communities, uh, self-perpetuating communities, but we're always going to be interlopers and we're always going to be refugees to a certain extent. Uh, so I don't think we're you know we'll reach a point where it's a non-issue. There will always be people who have a problem with it. I I think we're reaching a point where people who have a problem with it are the people who are regarded as the problem. That LGBT kids aren't the problem anymore. Bullies are the problem. And parents who don't love and support their children uh, for the people that they are, they're the problem. That hate is the problem, not the queer kid. And that's, uh, that's a huge change and a positive one. Um, but I don't think we're ever you know, going to live in a society that is free of racism or free of anti-Semitism or free of sexism. We're free of homophobia. The test of a society is how it responds to racism and sexism and uh, homophobia and anti-Semitism. And I think we're increasingly getting better marks on those tests.
2: Mm -hmm. And what do you feel like is the next step for teens who feel like it has gotten better for them?
3: Well, one of the things that, you know, one of the early criticisms of the Get Better Project was a lot of adults talking to kids. You know, adult LGBT people talking about their lives and sharing their insight and their advice uh, with LGBT teenagers and LGBT teenagers who feel it's gotten better for them, I would encourage them to contribute to the project, to make videos peer-to-peer videos, and there's a lot of them there always have been a lot of them from the very outset Uh, you know, I think of an early video where a a kid who was being brutally bullied in his high school talked about how he uh, went to community college and just got his GED and went straight to college and I think that kid who made that video was 17 years old. Um, so he's still high school age, and talking to other high schoolers who are being bullied and laying out a real option for them that can get them out of a toxic environment uh, in a positive way, not drop out. Get your GED and continue with your education in a different environment, a college environment. Um, and so if there are kids out there who have uh, you know, gotten it better for them, take a stand, make a video, uh, make sure there's a GSA at your school if you try to start one and the administration blocks you. Call the ACLU, um, call uh, the the call Glisten. Uh, they will advocate for you. The ACLU comes down like ten tons of crap on a school, any school, public school, that blocks the formation of a GSA because it is illegal to block the formation of a GSA, and they take that very seriously. And the ACLU is on your side. So if you're in a position where you can. You know, take a stand and try to make a change in your school. Know that you have allies out here in the adult world who want to get your back. You just have to communicate with us and let us know how it's going and how you're doing. And if you need to call in the cavalry, we're here.
2: Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. Thank you.
1: That was Travis talking with Dan Savage about bullying and the rash of teen suicides among young LGBT people. Dan is a nationally syndicated columnist, author, activist co-founder of the it gets better project and host of savage you on mtv you're listening to sprouts radio from the grassroots a weekly program bringing you local radio productions of national interest i'm maddie of outcasting a show which deals with lgbt youth issues we turn now to a new law in california the fair accurate inclusive and respectful or fair education act among other things the law is intended to combat bullying of students who are gay or perceived to be. Next, Juliana will discuss the law with openly gay California State Senator Mark Leno, who introduced it. Senator Leno, thanks so much for
4: joining us.
0: Juliana, it's a pleasure to be with you.
4: What inspired you to propose this bill?
0: Well, the California Education Code prior to our bill, which is now law, required that the role and contribution of African Americans, Mexican Americans, Native Americans, Asian Pacific Islander Americans, European Americans, female Americans, and other individuals from traditionally overlooked communities to be included in our school social study classes. This bill, as you know, requires the inclusion of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Americans, and those from the disability community. So we already have a very broad and inclusive social studies requirement in our public schools. This is just a small addition to it. Now, keep it in the context of an ever-growing and unfortunate, if not tragic, phenomenon of bullying in our public school system. This includes physical emotional, verbal harassment to such a degree that we've seen a rash of suicides among 12 and 13 year old kids going home, in some cases hanging themselves from the backyard tree, in other cases putting a gun to their head and pulling the trigger, and in communications of notes they've left or in conversations they've had with friends prior to their suicides, Uh, clearly spoke to the unbearable pain they were experiencing as a result of this bullying and harassment. So we know from a number of reports and studies that school districts which already have this inclusive kind of curriculum report significantly lower rates of all kinds of bullying, way beyond the LGBT community, And so we know that this can be effective in teaching students to better understand the broad diversity of the human experience and to better understand the differences among themselves and their fellow students and that there is reason to respect those differences. So that really was the inspiration for the bill.
4: What would you like to see included in this new curriculum?
0: Well, it's a question I get often asked. And sometimes there's the misunderstanding that for some reason we want to out historical characters, and the question that follows is why is it important to know that an inventor was a homosexual, and why are we talking about sexuality and sexual orientation in our social science classes? That's really not what this is about at all. I won't be the one who will be making these decisions. There's a parallel track that will unfold in the coming months and years. One is at the state level, that's at the State Board of Education, which has a multi-year, comprehensive, very thorough process in amending our school textbooks, and there won't be any reprinting of textbooks due to our ongoing budget crisis until around 2015-2016, but at the same time, the bill has become law, and school districts must come into compliance, and that will be decided upon by local school boards in local school districts with public process and public comment as to how best to implement this new law, and so I would imagine that it will be implemented differently from county to county, which is appropriate. It should be decided at the local level, but there are supplemental instructional materials currently available for school districts to use to come into compliance. I can tell you that it's appropriate that we currently require that students learn the fact of the history of a man, an African American man, who fought valiantly for everyone's civil rights and who was assassinated for his efforts, and that was Dr. Martin Luther King. But there is also a gay American man who also fought valiantly for everyone's civil rights and was also assassinated for his efforts. And his name was Harvey Milk. He also happened to be the very first openly gay person elected to public office in the state of California back in 1977. So that's one possibility. But I also would offer as a a suggestion that we're talking about a, a very important and fascinating chapter of civil rights history. You know, it was as recently as 1972 that the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality as a mental illness that changed in 1973. And it was a very significant step for them to take, because once it was no longer a mental illness, state legislatures one by one began to repeal what were known as sodomy laws. Sodomy laws made the consensual act of two adults of the same gender to be a felony. But that changed in the 1970s and 1980s, and it was decriminalized for adults of the same gender to have consensual relations. It wasn't long after that that state after state amended their laws so that it would be illegal to discriminate in housing and employment based on sexual orientation and subsequently based on gender identity. Now, of course, state after state allow for equal marriage rights for all of their citizens. And this past year, we saw a debate in the United States Congress with the support and leadership of the President of the United States to end the prohibition for gay and lesbian Americans who wish to serve openly and honorably in our military, joining dozens of other countries around the world who already have integrated their military. So I just pose that, isn't this fascinating? That within 40 years, we've gone from mental illness to nearly first-class citizenship. Of course, there are still no federal protections for any kind of rights for LGBT Americans, but we're moving in that direction. And the question is, how did this happen? Who were the historical figures who helped make this happen? What were the turning points? Where were the debates that led for this path to equality to occur? It's a very important chapter of history, and I think it would benefit, again, these grade school students who at an early age recognize that the classmate two desks down is different, and that this different kid, It is actually part of a community, a community which has been historically demonized and discriminated against and in recent decades has successfully fought for its civil rights and full inclusion in society. And again, that's what we're trying to teach here through this new law. We're talking
4: with California Democratic Senator Mark Leno. Senator Leno introduced and championed the Fair, Accurate, Inclusive, and Respectful Education, or FAIR Act, that requires LGBT history to be taught in California schools. It was signed by Governor Jerry Brown on July 14, 2011, and took effect on January 1, 2012. What were some of the arguments for and against this bill as it was being debated, and how did you and other supporters address the opposition?
0: Some of the arguments that were expressed in opposition, I believe, were rather extreme and not even germane. Uh, there really were suggestions that the sky will fall and the end of civilization as we know it will come to an end, that there is no need to be teaching Kindergartners about uh, sexuality and homosexuality and cross dressing. And I hope I've explained clearly that that is not what we're doing here at all. Yes, this is for K through 12 instruction, but social studies in most cases don't begin until the fourth or fifth grade. So uh, that's really where this instruction, I imagine, will begin. There were hyperbolic concerns and not uncommonly just as we experienced in the prop 8 debate around equal marriage rights the concern for children and their health and well-being is raised as a red herring as a red flag as something to frighten people that we're going to do harm to children in fact it's quite the opposite this is going to benefit children it's going to benefit their safety And it's going to benefit both the heterosexual students and the LGBT students, because the LGBT students, of course, will better understand their own history and their community's history and rightfully have greater self-respect and a higher self-esteem, which is always good for students in a learning environment. And also, to the degree that heterosexual students better understand the differences among themselves and their classmates, that there will be less harassment, physical, emotional, verbal, that there will be more peaceful campuses and a better environment conducive to learning and to study. And all of our children, irrespective of their sexual orientation, have a legal right to feel safe as they go to school, so that they can take make use of their learning environment, so they can attain uh, the highest levels of achievement, and that is really what this is all about.
4: How would you address um, the bill that was proposed in Tennessee that made it that would make it illegal to for a teacher to mention homosexuality until ninth grade?
0: Well, I probably won't surprise you by suggesting that that is uh, very nonsensical. Uh, I would ask whoever is proposing that in Tennessee to tell me how that benefits a sixth-grade boy in Ventura County, California, who was shot dead in his classroom by a fellow sixth-grader. Shot dead in his classroom by a fellow student, and when the teacher, horrified, asked the assailant, what have you done and why did you do that? The assailant responded, the 12-year-old assailant responded, that his classmate was too girly. And that's a clear indication that we are failing our students by denying them information they need. Kids much younger than the ninth grade are sensing the differences among them recognizing that there are different kinds of kids. And some of those differences relate both to gender identity and presentation, which really is much more noticeable than what someone's sexual orientation might be. But it all folds into the same issue of being different. And if we want to pretend that kids younger than ninth grade don't perceive these differences, we're not going to reach our goal of providing a safe learning environment for all students.
4: As a high school senior, I would have actually loved to have learned about LGBT things at a younger age because I feel like the people around me at my age sort of don't have an awareness of it. So definitely starting at a young age would be a good idea.
0: And, of course, there are kids much younger than that who are arriving at school with their two mommies or their two daddies. So very young kids realize the differences among us. And, of course, at that age, before they've been taught to dislike those who are different, before they've been taught to discriminate, before they've been taught to be mean-spirited, they all get along very nicely.
4: Senator Leno, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us.
0: I thank you for your interest in this important issue.
4: We've been speaking with California Democratic Senator Mark Leno. Senator Leno introduced and championed the Fair, Accurate, Inclusive, and Respectful Education, or FAIR, Act, that requires LGBT history to be taught in
1: California schools. That's it for this week's edition of Sprouts, featuring excerpts from Outcasting, a show that deals with LGBTQ youth issues. Our contributors this week include Travis, Juliana, and David from WDFH-FM 90.3, Westchester Public Radio serving New York's Lower Hudson River Valley. Production assistance came from Mark Sophis. More information about Outcasting is available at outcasting.wdfh.org. Sprouts is a weekly program produced in collaboration with community radio stations and independent producers across the country, bringing you local radio productions of national interest. The program is coordinated and distributed by Pacifica Radio. Thanks to Munkle Yoshida at Satellite Operations. If you or someone at your station has a radio production that you wish to rebroadcast on Sprouts to showcase it nationally, contact our air traffic controller, Ursula Rudenberg, at ursula at pacifica.org. That's U-R-S-U-L-A at pacifica.org. I'm Maddie. Thank you for listening, and see you next week on Sprouts.
0: If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit WDFH.org and click on Donate. Thanks.